Good morning. Shall we please pray? Indeed, Father, you still reign and you are still God. We pray that your word will come with clarity. We pray that your word will richly dwell in our hearts. May Jesus be exalted, O Lord. Amen. When we were in JHS um, Fridays, you were careful what you wore your footwear. Um, some of the guys went to the basketball court and there was this unspoken rule. If you dare stepped on a basketball court with a fake pair of shoes, the way you'll be beaten. So if your Nike had two eyes or the logo looked like an Apple logo, part of it was, was beaten or your Adidas had four stripes. You wear it any other day, any other place, but not on the basketball court. You were careful. So I remember having a conversation with my mom, telling her that you are a beggar. She can buy me any gift, anything. She can go on her own and buy. But as for my shoes, either she goes with me or she gives me the money. I couldn't trust. She could discern between what is original and what is fake. She will go and buy me edibles. <laughs> you know that you're not taking it anywhere. Fake or authentic. But of course, discussions about something being authentic or original is not just limited to people in JHS. Um, recently, um, Twitter, when they changed their verification thing, that now it's become a paid subscription. I think is it eight dollars a month or so. And it varies, yeah, corporations, individuals. So you have to pay. So they removed all the verification. And the big discussion was this. Now, how do we tell, for those of them who have not paid, how do we tell the authentic Twitter handle? I watched this post. Um, New York City Council, they put on um, a post that this is our original Twitter handle. Any information you want um, is here, dot, dot, dot. And somebody also commented with the same thing, bio data and everything, and said, no. This is the original site, um, our original Twitter handle. So you, you can't tell. Those of you, if you follow Beyonce, another Nigerian somewhere or <laughs> will also have this. Now, how do you tell? Authentic or fake? But much more important than shoes or Twitter handle is an issue of your eternal life. Do you have what is real or do you have what is fake? Is your Christianity authentic or your Christianity is fake? Are you what you appear to be? Our passage today asks us this question. Authentic or fake? You can see that From what we saw last week, we heard the, the sermon by Stephen. And one of the things Simon, um, Stephen's sermon prepared the church for, he, as we heard last week, the tabernacle is no longer a place where God lives. So by that, theologically, he was preparing the church that 
Christianity is not like Judaism. It's not bound to a particular location. It's not around the temple. No. God is everywhere. He doesn't need temples. And at the beginning of Acts, you remember what Jesus had told them, that they shall be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the world. Today, in Acts chapter 8, we begin to see this missional move of the church. And the occasion was the death of Stephen. As painful as it was, something good came out from it. God is powerful. So the church was scattered. But they were not scattered as destroyed. You know, when you have like ashes you can, and you scatter it on a, a river body, you never see it again. But when you have seeds and you scatter it on a, um, on a, in a farm or something, what does it do? It grows. So the scattering is another idea of planting. And what happens to the church here is their scattering was actually a planting by God. In various places, they took root and bore fruit. So in verse 5, we see that Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. Everybody is scattered. Now the narrator focuses on one guy, Philip. When the crowds, verse 6, when the crowds heard Philip, and saw the signs he performed. Look at how they did. They paid all close attention to what he said. He was speaking. He was performing miracles. But he was telling them the attention is not on the miracles. It's on, it's on the gospel that I'm bringing. It's on who Jesus is. So the, the miracles actually drew the attention of the people. Not to Philip. Not to, what he say, not to himself. Not to even the miracles but to the message, to Jesus. They paid close attention to what he said. Casting out of demons, people being healed, lame people walking. So, there was great joy in the city. The church brought joy to the city. With the rest of our passage, the narrator now focuses, Luke focuses on the conversion of one man. And this is interesting. You remember in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost when Peter preached, about 3,000 people got saved. And later on, 241, we saw that a lot, of, a lot more people also were added to the church. So thousands of people have believed. But now Luke says that I want to focus on the, um, the conversion of one man, Simon. Simon. Maybe you are Simon. He is Simon. Oh, you are Simon, so he is Simon. So today it's Simon. So we are supposed to pay attention to this. We are told what this man did. Now, for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city. So, where he was, he's in, also in Samaria. 
and he amazed all the people. We also see his attitude. He boasted that he was someone great. I'm just observing the difference between this man and Philip. Philip was also doing great things, but he was not boasting that he was someone great. He was talking about someone greater. But Simon boasted that he was someone great. We see his influence, verse 10. And all the people, both high and low, the MPs and the ordinary people, the rich and the poor, look at what they did. They gave him their attention. And so they gave him attention and they also gave him fans. They said, this man is rightly called the great power of God. You know, we have Aite powers. They had Simon powers. Simon Opambo, Onyame Ewotumi. In fact, his is not Onyame Ewotumi. Wo, you, you are God's power. This man is rightly called the great power of God. Do you see something interesting here? He's described as a sorcerer, but the people attribute his power to who? God. Some, I think, yeah, this week, I was watching television and I, on our TV channel, say, this man of God, he was, not, he was doing aquantre, so you come and see him one-on-one. But this is not like normal Sunday service or afternoon service. This was night aquantre. So this meeting was in the night. It's called, meet me in my office. And some of the things he says he's going to do is, if you are chatting with somebody and you want us to call the soul of the person, na ye ye bibimawa. Meet me in my office. But how was he describing himself? A man of God. A couple of nights ago, Sarah and I also were watching television, and there's this place, a shrine. So they, they've dug something there, and there was an image or something in there. This is what happens there. So they were advertising. If somebody owes you anything, you have an issue, people are trying, you bought a piece of land, and now they want to take it from you, you just come. So they showed videos of people who had come before the thing. You hold a bottle, something red inside, and a machete in your hand. And you say all that you want to be done to the person. This family that I bought the land from, and they, do, they say, now I have to pay more. Let their children become crippled. May everybody become blind. And then you crush the metallic thing in that altar there. How was this woman describing herself? Come to who? A man of God. So they go to, they go to Simon. And he also works with some angels. Nemo Kafri and Ayata Frem. Afros, no, no phallus was his angel. 
but he was called the great power of God. Verse 11, they followed him. He had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. We see a turn in the story in verse 12. You see the first word there, but. In the midst of all this deception and darkness and sorcery, but. Philip comes in there and proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus. This man, Simon, is there with his sorcery. Philip comes with what is authentic. The message of God and the manifestation of the power of God. The people begin to see the difference. So, they believed and they were baptized. Both men and women. We see in the Acts of the Apostles, almost always when people believe, they are brought, it's not just something private. You don't believe and become an isolated Christian. Just be on your own. No, you are brought into the family of God through baptism, a public declaration that you are part of this. Verse 13, we see the surprise. Even Simon himself, see the stress of Luke. Simon himself did what? Believed and was baptized. They leave the kingdom of darkness and enter into the kingdom of God. We are told something about Simon that raises an issue. Look at verse 13b. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. You see the turn in the story. Earlier on, verse 11, the people followed Simon because he had amazed them. But here in verse 13, Simon followed Philip because Philip had amazed him. He had seen the true power of God. So he's following Philip everywhere. When Philip is going to house to house, Simon is with him. Simon is looking at all the things Philip is doing. Charlie, crippled and you're just saying, in the name of Jesus, arise. And they just arise like that, free of charge. He's amazed by the great signs and miracles he saw. So we see that up tonight it's been a spontaneous work by the disciples who were scattered. It was not the leaders in Jerusalem who were saying, go here, go there, do this. No. This is, um, in Wuntumi's words, this is a movement. <laughs> People were taking initiatives on them by themselves, preaching the gospel and moving all around. And that was what was happening. But in verse 14, we see that there was also some apostolic oversight. So the apostles hear that Samaria had accepted the word 
they sent Peter and John to Samaria. Jerusalem and Samaria embraced each other. They get there and they place their, they prayed for people and the people in Samaria received the Holy Spirit. Perhaps there was some physical manifestation for them to be able to know that indeed these people had received the Holy Spirit. So they prayed for them and they received the Holy Spirit. But what was a blessing to the Samaritans became an, some, some way that exposed Simon. What happens? It appears Simon was exposed as a fraud in the church. He had been following Philip. He wanted to say something, but he didn't know how to say it. But this time around, he sees something that just blows him away. The Holy Spirit is coming upon people by these apostles just laying hands and they move on. And perhaps he calls John. You know, Peter was quite harsh, so he, he, maybe he didn't approach Peter. He calls John, please. Please, I have something to say. Um, you know, I've become born again. I've, I'm baptized. My baptismal certificate, I can show you my... You go and ask Philip. I have been going with him, door-to-door evangelism. I've been involved in church ministry. Please, I just have one thing. You, it's not even something I'm asking you for free. Take this money and give me the ability you have. Cash and carry. I want this power that you have. So it appears that for him in his thinking, the Holy Spirit is not a person to be known and worshipped. He's a thing to be had, a power that you can have. Simon wants to buy God. That is what he's doing. He wants to buy God. Take this and give me God. Peter answered him, verse 20. May your money perish with you. And he talks about his heart and his mind. Because, one, you thought you could buy the gifts of God with money. The gifts of God you want to earn by your own power. This is a gift from God. This is an issue of grace. But you want to earn. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. Simon says, listen. When he says, may your money perish with you. As for you, you are already perishing. 
Let your money also follow you. Don't bring your money to us. You want to receive the gift of God with money. The gift of God, you think you can secure it with money. How? Like, what made you even have such a thought? Repent and pray. Maybe God will have mercy and forgive you. Verse 25. Verse 24. You see Simon's response. Peter tells him what to do. And he tells Peter to do for him what he's been told to do by himself. No, you. Pray to the Lord for me so that my heart will be made right with him. So that my thinking will be renewed. <laughs> he feared the consequence. But he wanted to be the same. So that nothing you have said may happen to me. Not that so that I will change. Not that I will really become renewed. No. Please, let's forestall the consequence. I want to remain as I am. And from there, Luke moves the camera from Simon and focuses on the apostles. They go on, they proclaim the word of the Lord and testified about Jesus. Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. Preaching the gospel, preaching the gospel, preaching the gospel. So Simon appeared to be on the inside, but he was on the outside. And I think this questionable faith of Simon is something Jesus also experienced in his ministry. In John chapter 2, we're told that a lot of the people around, they saw the signs that Jesus performed. And so we are told in verse 23, so they believed in his name. But verse 24, we are told, but Jesus did not entrust himself to them because he knew all men. So people saw the signs and miracles Jesus were performing. They have what it appeared to be real faith. But Jesus says no. What they have it's not authentic. So this is a question we need to ask ourselves this morning. Is your faith genuine? Is your heart right with God? Do you know and understand the gospel? Do you believe in your heart that salvation is a gift? Or you think you can earn it? We're told in verse 5, Philip proclaimed the gospel, in, um, proclaimed the Messiah, that is Jesus. In verse 12, they proclaimed the name of Jesus Christ. And in verse 25 also, they testified about Jesus. 
Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. So, are you truly in Jesus' kingdom? Or, verse 23, are you captive to sin? Are you filled with the spirit of Jesus or you are full of bitterness? Who is Jesus to you? Is Jesus a means to what you truly want in life or Jesus has become your life? Is your Christianity about Jesus or something else has captured your heart and attention. Some professors in Harvard did experiments. The video is on YouTube. You can watch it. It's called Selective Attention. There are various types on YouTube. It's just a one-minute video. So the participant is shown this video, and it consists of two groups. One of the group is wearing white top, the other a black top. They both have, say, a basketball, and they are passing the basketball to each other. So they, are, they will mix up. So, but if you're in a black team, you pass the basketball to somebody who is wearing black. So at the beginning of the video, you are told this. You are told to count the number of passes those in the white team will make. So as you watch the video, you see the white they pass, they pass, they pass. But in the middle of the clip, something happens. Somebody dressed in a gorilla attire appears in the clip and dances for some seconds. Dance. There are some variation. Somebody appears like a bear and does a moonwalk like Michael Jackson in the clip. And this is just for just one minute. But the person comes for some few seconds and then moves. So at the end of this video, you are asked, how many passes did those in the white team make? Some will begin, might get it. And then you are asked the second question. Did you notice the person in the bear attire? What do you think was the response? Most people never noticed it. Why? Because the passes had caught the attention. There's the question. Do you notice that Christianity is about Jesus, 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 or something else has caught your attention? Is your Christianity real or fake? Why should you be concerned if your Christianity is fake, if your heart is not right with God? Think about going to the fuel station with your vehicle, and then you find, you, you, you find out that your, they mix water with petrol and fill your tank. Would you say, oh, say, after all, the petrol is more than the water? No. Like Famille's case? No. You know that you stand the risk of destroying your car totally. So if it's not authentic fuel in your car, you'll be concerned. If your faith is not authentic, you should also be concerned. And that's why what Peter told him, may your money perish with you. You risk eternal damnation. 
you risk perishing. Not just your car being destroyed, or guys in the basketball beating you up, or somebody cloning your, your Twitter handle. No. This is your eternity. You should be concerned. And so what should you do? What Peter told him in verse 22. Repent. You see that Peter is not telling him anything different than what has been, we've been seeing through the book of Acts. Still, the gospel is God's power to transform even people as dubious as Simon. What Jesus Christ has done on the cross was, is still sufficient to save people as fraudulent as Simon. So he says, not something new for that, hey, you, Simon, you, there's something new for you. There's another message. There's a fasting you have to embark on. There's something in yourself you have to do if God is, for, is going to forgive you. No. The same old powerful gospel. Repent. Turn. And pray to God. Peter offers him the gospel. That is all that they've been proclaiming. The kingdom of God. About G the name of Jesus. Jesus the Messiah. And that is still the offer for Simon. And that is the offer for us. As you reflect on this and you realize that perhaps your faith is not authentic, still, the offer is the same. Jesus Christ lived the life you should have lived and died the death you should have died. And he says, come and rest in what I have done for you. And your heart will be made right with God. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. Naked, come to thee for dress. Helpless, look to thee for grace. Foul I to thy fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, all I die. Shall we pray? Take this opportunity and pray to God. If you are realizing that perhaps your Christianity is not authentic, your faith is not genuine, you are in church, but your attention is not on Jesus, still the offer is the same because the Savior has not lost his power. You want to pray. Lord, I repent. I'm seeing that I don't have what is real. I don't have what is authentic. I repent. Lord, forgive me and save me. Please pray.
Lord, we pray. If there's anyone here whose faith is not authentic, oh Lord, by your word this morning, let there be repentance. That hearts that are not right will be made right with you. On the outside, people think that there's authentic faith, but on the inside, we know, we know we are captive to sin. Lord, Jesus has not lost his power. Let hearts be made right. Let hearts be made right. Thank you, gracious Savior. Amen.